Some authors believe that if they could just find the right social network, they can find the easy path to fame and fortune. They come to me often asking about this hot new social network that's all the buzz. And most of the time I say, no, I don't think Threads is worth your time or whatever the social network of the hour is. For every author successfully using Pinterest to build a platform, there are thousands trying to get noticed on Pinterest and wasting massive amounts of time, time that they could spend writing their book. The cost of Pinterest and failing at Pinterest are the books that don't get written. The same goes for Instagram, TikTok, and all the others. In general, the best way to take advantage of trends like BookTok and Bookstagram is to pay influencers to promote your book rather than trying to become an influencer yourself. You do what you do. Get really good at writing and then pay people who are really good at influencing. Don't try to be both. Almost no one can pull it off. So with that said, believe me when I say that when I find a new platform that I'm willing to recommend, I don't do that lightly. So what platform am I talking about? Substack. You've probably heard authors talking about it. It's all the buzz right now. And I've spent the last several months testing and researching Substack. This is one of the most intriguing tools for authors that I've found in a decade. It's not really a social network, but what it is, is amazing. But Substack is not all roses and butterflies, and there are downsides to Substack that you need to know about before you start using it. So what is Substack, and how can you use it as an author? Find out in this episode of Novel Marketing, the longest-running book marketing podcast in the world. I'm Thomas Umstadt Jr., CEO of Author Media, and this is the show for writers who want to build their platform, sell more books, and make a living writing books worth talking about. And this episode is for both indie and traditional fiction and nonfiction. Basically, anyone writing any kind of book needs to know what Substack is. So, what is Substack? Well, Substack is a blogging platform. It allows you to write blog posts like you could on Zanga or Blogger back in the day. But Substack's not just a blogging platform. It's also an email platform like ConvertKit or MailChimp. But it's not just a email platform. It's also a podcasting platform. You can host your podcast on Substack like you would do with Blueberry or Buzzsprout. But it's not just a podcasting platform. It's also a funding platform like Patreon or Subscribestar. And here's the crazy bit. It's all of these things combined and it's free to use in the best possible way that free can be. So as you know, I'm very suspicious of free because in general, when a tool is free like Instagram, it's only free because you are the product being sold. When you're the chicken, the chicken food in the chicken coop is free because you are being sold. <laughs> You're not the customer, you are the product. And these platforms are designed to serve advertisers, which means if you wanna use that platform, you need to be the advertiser, you need to be the customer, which means Facebook is actually very expensive to use as an author. It can be cost-effective though. If you spend $10,000 on ads and you make $20,000 in sales, that actually can work depending on whether you're selling eBooks or paper books and what your margins are. But Substack does not provide advertising. They're not trying to thrill advertisers. They're not trying to sell 
your attention to advertisers. There is no advertising on Substack. So how does Substack make money? How is Substack able to make their service free? Well, it's through that fourth part, the funding platform. So Substack hopes that you sell your content to your readers directly through Substack. And if you do, they take a percentage of your earnings. It's around 10%. And then there's an additional credit card fee on top of that. And some people will be like, oh my goodness, that's 13%. That's 15%. That's a big commission. It's like, well, compared to getting all of it, I guess, but Amazon takes 30%. (laughs) Audible takes 70%. And so compared to that, Substack's actually very competitively priced. They're giving you a far bigger percentage of the money coming in than their biggest competitors. So let me walk you through what I like about Substack and what I don't like about Substack, and then I'm going to compare it with some similar platforms. So what I like about Substack is that it's email-centric. So the primary kind of creature of Substack is that email newsletter that people subscribe to. So that email newsletter is turned into a blog automatically so people can read the old emails that go out. But the primary function of Substack is email And I really like that because email is the biggest social network in the world, right? Everybody has email. Not everyone has Facebook, but everybody has email. And they connected with that is that you own your customer relationship. And this is why Substack is so much better than every other social network. So whether it's Truth Social or Pinterest or Facebook or Twitter, all of those platforms own you and your relationship with your readers. So if they don't like what you're saying, they can sever without your permission or knowledge or consent or even notifying you, they can sever your connection to your readers. And suddenly you cannot communicate to your fans and you can't share your side of the story. You've become unpersoned. (laughs) You've been erased like in 1984. It's like you no longer exist. On Substack, that can't happen because you have access to your subscribers' emails. So you could export your email list from Substack and go to ConvertKit or MailerLite and send out an email giving your side of the story. So you own your customer relationship, your reader relationship, and you can take that relationship with you to another platform. Now, you can't take the funding relationship with you. They're not going to share the credit card numbers of your subscribers on Substack. And I actually support that. And I think that's smart. You don't want people's credit card numbers floating around like that. And because as you start making money on Substack, getting people to resubscribe, let's say you wanted to move to Patreon, for instance, getting people to resubscribe on Patreon is a hassle. And because of that hassle, that's how you're locked in. That's their moat. And if you're going to do a moat, I think the way Substack does it is the least evil way of encouraging people to stay, and it's by allowing them to leave. Another thing I really like about Substack is that by using Substack, you reduce the number of tools that you have to pay for and sign up for and use. So since the blog and the email and the funding and the podcast is all integrated, that's a lot of different platforms that you now don't need to learn. It's uh, not as powerful individually as those other tools. So Buzzsprout has better podcast hosting than Substack does. ConvertKit has better email than Substack does. But Substack's pretty good. It's 80% of the way there and it's free. And for a lot of authors, especially if you're just getting started and you're not really making money off your writing yet and you don't want a lot of ongoing expenses, you could really understand wanting to start on Substack. And again, that not locked in philosophy 
applies to your uh, podcast as well. So you could start your podcast on Substack for free. And then down the road, you let's say you want to start using some of Buzzsprout's dynamic content insertion features, right? You can insert a, my new book came out ad at the beginning of all your old episodes. Well, uh, when you do want to move from Substack to Buzzsprout, you can, and you can take all of your subscribers with you. This is one of the first things I check on any podcasting platform is do they offer an RSS 301 redirect? What it means is that your subscribers that started subscribing to you on Substack can just get switched over invisibly to them to the new service. And this allows you to switch between podcast hosts without creating any friction for your listeners. And it gives you full control and the kinds of companies that allow for you to move to a competitor tend to treat you really well because they know you can move to a competitor. The kind of company that feels like they need to lock you in and not uh, redirect your RSS feed, that's the kind of company that also doesn't feel like they have to treat you well as a customer. So uh, you may notice that kind of a theme of this episode is respect, right? Substack is a platform built on respecting you, the content creator, and I really like that. I also like that it's got the monetization baked in. We'll touch on this in the negatives because it's limited in some ways because of this. But because the idea is you're creating newsletters and and you want to create newsletters so good that people are willing to pay for them, it really encourages you towards quality, <laughs> towards sending the kind of newsletters that people would want to pay for, even if you're just giving away for free, right? There's no obligation from Substack to start charging, right? You don't have to charge. You could just use Substack for free. There is a way, though, for your backers to pledge money. In fact, after I sent my first Substack message, one of my backers was like, hey, I want to support you financially. Turn on funding. <laughs> so during my experiments, I was like, well, I guess I'll turn on funding and, and see how this works. Why not? And it, so it's it's a very kind of kind, very respectful, but also, a, hey, we can help you make money and you can start making money right away. And you may be like, but no one's going to pay to get my newsletters. I'm like, well, you may be surprised if your newsletters contain a short story. Maybe they would, right? Maybe if you're sharing your story in a serialized way, I think Substack is way better than Kindle Vela or Wattpad or any of those other platforms because you own your connection to the reader. You own your relationship with the reader and you don't have an algorithm in between. The big flaw for authors and social networks is that they put an algorithm in between you and your reader. And if the algorithm doesn't smile on you, or if you're not good at playing the algorithm's game, your reader won't hear what you're saying. <laughs> they won't get your messages. And that control over speech is very concerning. It's concerning from a political perspective, obviously. Anyone trying to control political speech, that's very scary. But it's also concerning from a commercial perspective, right? And what Facebook did was classic. They're like, hey, you can use Facebook for free, invest all this money building and following on Facebook, getting promoting us for free to your readers, and then you can talk to them for free. It's like, oh, well, you can still talk to them for free, but if you want everybody to see it, you have to pay us a little bit of money. And, and it's like, well, we'll share it to some for free, but if you want most people to see it, pay us a little bit of money. And now it's, we won't share your post unless you pay us money, <laughs> right? Like they slowly ratcheted down the free version and ratcheted up the pay version until now you have to pay them to talk to your own fans. Also, not having advertisers means that they don't have to worry about brand safe 
content where big corporations are dictating what kind of content they want to advertise on, which also tends to be very anti-free speech, right? There's this big concept of brand safety and whether or not you're getting demonetized. And by taking advertisers out of that relationship, it's also allowing for corporate free speech, right? Because maybe Budweiser doesn't want you bad-mouthing Bud Light. And so they're trying to get you canceled because you're bad-mouthing their brand. Right? This sort of thing happens on all the other social platforms, but it doesn't happen on Substack because they have no relationship with it, Budweiser. They have no relationship with Unilever or Procter & Gamble or any of the other mega corporations that are spending the billions of dollars on advertising because they don't do ads. And so not having ads fundamentally changes the platform in really, really good ways. It's kind of taking the internet back to how it was in the early 2000s. And so speaking of free speech, this is another thing I like about Substack is that it has a very free speech friendly terms of service. It's the kind of terms of service that you would have seen in the early 2000s. So their rules are no spam, no porn, no threats, follow the local laws. That's it. So as long as you don't have spam, don't have porn, don't make like physical threats, which is often against the law anyway, and you follow the laws of whatever country you're in, you can post whatever. And this has been very interesting because a lot of independent journalists use Substack. So I follow the war in Ukraine very closely. And there are journalists who will break down combat footage to give you a sense of what's going on on the ground. And this combat footage, some of it is very violent. And it would be in violation of the terms of service on a platform like YouTube. But with Substack, since the only people consuming the content are people who paid for it, and nobody's seeing this content if they don't want to see it, and because of that, these journalists are able to actually do journalism <laughs> without the worry of algorithmic censorship. And if you don't want to see combat footage, don't pay those journalists money for their breakdowns and their analysis of what's going on in the war. So creators have full control over what they create. Readers have full control over what they read. And the final element that it has that's kind of the chef's kiss to taking the internet back to the good old days of the mid-2000s is that it has an RSS reader built in. So if you're a Substack user, just using Substack to read other people's blog posts or email newsletters, and there's a blog that you want to follow that's not on Substack, you can still read it on Substack by adding it via the RSS reader. So for those of you who remember Google Reader, it has Google Reader built in. So I should add that to the beginning. It's also an RSS reading platform. So it's it's really fixing a lot of what's been breaking on the internet in the last decade or so, which I really like. But it's not all roses. So let's talk about some of the things I don't like about Substack. One thing that I don't like about Substack is that it's separate from your website. So while they have a friendly terms of service and they, right, they're not policing speech, making sure that you're the right kind of political person to create content on their platform, they are a San Francisco based company and they're a VC backed San Francisco based company. And so there's nothing keeping them from changing that terms of service and starting to police speech a little bit more. That said, since you own your relationship with your readers, you could easily move to another platform. And because they're not having advertising, they're not being pressured to do that. So I'm not so concerned about that. But it, it, just realize this is a separate creature from your website. You can add a Substack subscribe form to your website so it can integrate with your website, but it is different from your website. Also, on those same lines, it's not open internet. So while it is open internet adjacent, Substack is a company, not a technology. So if you leave 
Substack, you can't move to a competitor that has the same technology. You're going to be moving to different technology as opposed to, say, WordPress, which is open Internet. If your WordPress host kicks you off or goes out of business, you can move to another WordPress host and everything is the same because it's still WordPress because WordPress is a technology, not a company. Another big downside for Substack, a big weakness, is that it's not great for SEO. There's no canonical URLs. It has very limited SEO optimization. It's not going to guide you into creating search-friendly content. And so if you're writing nonfiction and ranking on Google is a key part of your platform, Substack may not be the best tool because you're not going to rank as well on Substack as you probably would just posting to your own blog. And if you're posting to your own blog and posting to Substack, because there's no canonical URLs, you now have a duplicate content issue that could actually hurt the search engine rankings of your primary blog. So just keep that in mind. From a SEO perspective, it's not great. Now, if you're writing fiction and you're telling your story in a serialized way, you don't care about SEO. You are not trying to get traffic from Google or from Bing. And so this isn't a downside. It's also not a downside if you're using this more as like an email newsletter tool because your email newsletters with ConvertKit, they're not going to rank on Google either. Another downside with Substack is that once you sign up for Substack, you tend to get a lot of Substack emails from Substack <laughs> in addition to emails from the people that you follow. And if you're adding somebody to your Substack list from another list, so let's say you move from MailerLite to Substack because Substack is free. Which you can do. You can export your list from MailerLite and import it into Substack. And now you're not having to pay for email subscriptions. It's possible that those people will now start to also get emails from Substack. I, I haven't confirmed that. It may only happen after they go in and create their Substack account. But it's just something to be aware of. You're potentially increasing someone's email burden. But it, a lot of readers are already on Substack. And in that case, the burden is already there. Although maybe your readers are not familiar with Substack, which would actually lead us to another downside of Substack is that certain communities haven't discovered it yet. So some people are all in on Substack. They've been using it for years. Other people, for some of you listening, this is the first time you've heard the word Substack in your life. So just keep that in mind. Your readership may not be familiar with Substack. Although the nice thing is you don't really have to know how Substack works to get the emails because it's email based. You don't have to log in to Substack to read the email. You get the email, and the email is the full content of whatever you posted to Substack. So, sure, they could log in to Substack, but they don't have to. The other interesting thing is because it's email-based, by default, people don't have a password. Right? You just go to Substack, you click log in, you type in your email, and then they email you a link to then log into your account. That's what I mean by email-based. And so in that way, it's actually really easy because people don't have to keep track of their password, but they do have to remember what email they used. <laughs> Another limitation of Substack, that's, and I think this is the most important to know about, is that Substack does not support email marketing. So if your email newsletter, if you're using the Shatona Havig method of my email newsletters are just discounts on my books, and every week is a new book that's on sale. I've got 52 books. And so I put one book on sale once a year and I roll through my list. That kind of promotion you can't do on Substack. Substack is supposed to be the kind of content that people would pay for. I imagine you can include some promotional content in it. So the kind of emails that I send for novel marketing, for instance, that email is between 100% and 80% 
just content, right? It's like, hey, here's the most recent episode of the podcast. Here are some related episodes to that episode. Here are the most recent blogs on the blog. And occasionally I'll have a, hey, there's a webinar coming up or, hey, something's on sale. And I'll put that at the top. That kind of thing, as far as I can tell, is okay. But I couldn't send an email that was just a last chance to sign up, you know, 100% marketing email. And that is a real downside because occasionally you do want to send that kind of pure promotional email to your list, especially when you have a new book come out. That said, Substack's very author-friendly. A lot of authors use it and they want to be accepted by the author community. So they may not do anything about it. (laughs) So the rules about no spamming and no email marketing, they're a little vague and I suspect they're not tightly policed unless you have a lot of people on your list complaining. So if you have a lot of people clicking Marcus Spam, that's what will call Substack down on you. Because again, they're not policing content. They don't have an army of content moderators making sure what's going out is appropriate. They're letting subscribers decide what they want and what they don't want on their own. You're an adult and it's a free country. That's the kind of the philosophy. There is some algorithmic content on Substack. So if you sign up for Substack, you'll get an email with like, hey, here's some posts we think you will like. And they'll occasionally show related content. I'm not a big fan of this, but it could help you get discovered. I do know some authors who have been favored by the Substack algorithm and have gotten famous on Substack, but I don't think that should be your plan or your hope. You need to build your audience one person at a time, just like everybody else. And if the algorithm smiles on you, so much the better, but don't make that your your plan or your hope for success. (laughs) So how does Substack compare to Patreon? If you're thinking about using Patreon to support your podcast or you're using Patreon to give people your short stories or serialized versions of your novel, I know a lot of authors will use Patreon for that. You could use Substack. So what are some of the differences? Well, I've moved my other podcast or I'm in the process of moving my other podcast from Patreon to Substack. So Christian Publishing Show is now on Substack. I'll probably be phasing out the Christian Publishing Show Patreon. I don't plan to move novel marketing from Patreon. Getting 400 people to sign up on a new account, I think, is too heavy of a lift. And I'm happy with Patreon enough to not need to move. And there's some things that Patreon does that Substack doesn't do that are good for novel marketing. So let me walk through that. Patreon won't help you find an audience. They help you solve the funding problem, not the fame problem. Substack will help you a little bit find an audience. So for somebody just getting started and you're at zero, Substack's probably better because Patreon will just leave you at zero forever. Patreon cares about your politics. They prefer Democrats. I've been in open calls with their executives and heard them talking about this because they've canceled some famous conservatives, not for anything they did on Patreon. But just because they didn't like what they had to say somewhere else. And so there is a suspicion of Patreon and a big class action lawsuits and lots of drama, lots of political drama. <laughs> so and the political drama exists because Patreon sees their part of their role as making people good people, making the world a better place and using their power of controlling the flow of money to make people more like them. And they're a San Francisco based VC backed company. And they want to use their power, their corporate power for political ends. 
If you're a Democrat and you're on Patreon, it's no problem. I will say, like, I'm not a Democrat. I have an emergency like plan already in place just in case Patreon kicks me out without notice because that would be very traumatic. So I could move my the emails off of Patreon, but I'd suddenly lose all of the money coming in from Patreon. That said, all that said, Patreon seems to have backed way off because they really got burned when there was all this drama over the politics from a couple of years ago. And now they're really feeling the pain from Substack because they're seeing people move and seeing people switch, especially people who aren't Democrats (laughs) and who are nervous because you never know when the rules will change and suddenly what you were doing, which was okay, now is not okay and you get kicked off. So other differences between Substack and Patreon. Substack's monthly pledge must be at least $5. So if you charge for Substack, the minimum that people can support you is $5. So for instance, right now, the minimum for becoming a patron on Novel Marketing is $4. So if I moved to Substack, I'd have to raise the pledge level to $5 as a minimum. The other difference is that Substack only really has one primary pricing tier, It kind of has two. It has being a member and then a founding member. Whereas Patreon, you can have a whole bunch of different levels. And I've had dozens of different patron levels (laughs) over the years. I used to do my mastermind groups as like pledge levels on Patreon. So if you pledged at these really high levels, you could be a part of my mastermind groups. I've moved that off since then to Teachable which is where if you were to become a mastermind and be in one of my coaching groups now, you wouldn't pay through Patreon, you'd you'd pay through Teachable. But I couldn't do that if I were on Substack. I, I wouldn't even have the option because you really just have the one pledge level. Right now I have three. So July 2023, there's three pledge levels for Novel Marketing's Patreon. There's the $4 level that comes with the bonus Q&A webinar. There's the $10 level that comes with the podcast host directory, which actually is integrated with my WordPress website. So I couldn't do that on Substack for two reasons. One, multiple levels doesn't really work on Substack. But two, there isn't that kind of gated content integration with WordPress. So Patreon is a little bit more technically robust in that way. And then the third level is the featured patron level where you get from time to time your book featured on the air. So at the end of the episode, you know, I'll say our featured patron today is so-and-so, author of such and such. That's the highest level on Patreon. So that kind of three-tiered system you can't do on Substack. Substack's simpler. It's less complicated, which is a pro, but it's also a con. So just keep that in mind. So while uh, Patreon has a head start and they have integrations with things like WordPress, from my use of both platforms, Substack seems to have the better developers and the better user experience. And it seems to be a little bit easier to use while still very powerful. So Patreon, technically, you could host a podcast through Patreon, but it's really kludgy and difficult to use. And you could use it for email and you could use it for blog. Like all these features exist on Patreon, but nobody uses them because they're just not as well implemented. They're fine for communicating with patrons, but I wouldn't want to use Patreon to communicate with readers or potential readers. It's not really built for that. So now let's compare Substack with ConvertKit. I like ConvertKit more, but I also recommend MailerLite, which is cheaper. I wouldn't be surprised if Substack completely gobbles up MailerLite's breakfast because if you're cost conscious, right, if the money for ConvertKit seems like a lot of money and you're switching to MailerLite because it's cheaper, why not just move to Substack, which is freer than MailerLite? 
But let me compare Substack with ConvertKit. So obviously Substack is free. ConvertKit is, you know, $10 a month to hundreds of dollars a month, depending on how many subscribers you have. And so if you have a whole lot of subscribers, ConvertKit gets very pricey. Now, authors are happy to pay that for ConvertKit because they're able to make money off of that list. And there's a lot to be said about being able to send a 100% promotional email saying, hey, my book is on sale. And normally it's $9.99, but for today and tomorrow, it's $4.99. And you can make enough money off of an email like that to totally pay for ConvertKit for months and months and months. And ConvertKit's more powerful in terms of integrations. So it integrates with Teachable if you want to do courses. And it's it's more of a business tool, whereas Substack is more of a content tool. ConvertKit allows for fully promotional emails, while Substack is not for email marketing. And ConvertKit also allows you to set up fairly robust automations and drip sequences and deliver reader magnets. And Substack's not really built for that. The only way to deliver a reader magnet through Substack that I could find is to set up a book funnel delivery and then manually import the people who fill out the book funnel into Substack. So that's a manual process where you're downloading a CSV and uploading a CSV. And so that's a hassle. (laughs) So keep that in mind. So some of what we teach on this podcast involving email marketing, you can't really do on Substack. So onboarding sequences, list cleaning, reader magnets, some of those things you can't do with Substack. But it's free. (laughs) So you're like, "Eh, six and one half dozen the other, and you can potentially get paid, right? So the idea with Substack is that you don't need to offer a reader magnet because the emails themselves are so valuable. People would want to pay to get them. So there's a bit of a philosophical difference between Substack and ConvertKit. So bottom line, Substack's not going to make you famous. It's it's not a discovery engine. You're still going to have to do the work to get the word out, right? Guesting on podcasts, writing books worth talking about, all the things we talk about on this podcast in in terms of promotion. It's not going to solve that problem, but it might help a little bit. But what it could do is really simplify your tech stack. So instead of having one service for podcasting, one service for email, one service for blogging, one service for getting money for serialized content, you could do all of that through Substack or part of it through Substack and then do other bits somewhere else. So I definitely think it's worth using as a reader just to get a feel for it. In fact, if you have a Substack, feel free to comment uh, on this post on authormedia.social with a link to your Substack. And the rest of you, if you've never used Substack before, you want to get a feel for it, you can look at those links that people have, have posted and you can follow those other authors and see how they're using Substack to get a feel for it, to see if it's something that you might like. If you've been wanting to give away your story in a serialized form and get paid for it, I think Substack is the obvious first choice. I think you really need a reason not to use Substack because it's just so much better than Vela and the others. And if you're wanting an email newsletter on a budget, I think the freest, best option is obviously Substack because <laughs> it's free in the best way. It's free in the Costco free sample way, not in the you're a chicken in the chicken coop kind of way. You really want to be conscious of that, right? You want to be the customer and Substack treats you like a customer, hoping that you'll become a customer. And I really, really like that. Again, I encourage you 
to go to authormedia.social to discuss this episode. If you're not a part of authormedia.social, you're really missing out. There's been a lot of conversation about Substack already on authormedia.social. Authormedia.social is my social network that I created for authors. We have places to discuss craft, discuss publishing, discuss what's going on in the news. We just added a new news discussion. So if there's something happening in the publishing news, writing news that you want to talk about, we have a place for you to do that, authormedia.social. You can find it at www.authormedia.social. And it is free. It's free because it's a basically an extension of this podcast and an extension of my courses. I would like to thank everyone who became a patron during Patron Appreciation Month. We had over 100 people become patrons, which is far too many names to read on an episode. But I do want to say I really appreciate your support helping keep this episode on the air. And I do want to thank our featured patron today, B.D. Lawrence, author of The Coyote and the One-Armed Man. Lefty Bruder, a one-armed detective, has only one mission, rescue a young girl destined to become a slave to a Mexican cartel boss. But an unseen stalker is intent on killing him before he can accomplish his mission. Assembling a team of misfits, Lefty and his crew prepare to brave the unknown and face their greatest challenge yet. B.D. Lawrence, thank you so much for helping keep this podcast on the air. I could not do this without you, and I really appreciate your support. And a quick personal update. My daughter, Mercy, is now four years old, if you can believe it. (laughs) She's really gotten into books. She's created a whole imaginary land where she takes her very favorite fictional characters, and she brings them to what she calls superhero land. And she was talking to me the other day and she's like, I wish I could jump inside uh, one of these books and just live in the book. (laughs) And I was telling her, I was like, well, you know, once you learn how to read, that's exactly what will happen. (laughs) So she still hasn't learned to read yet. She's still having books read to her, but she loves books and she loves the books that y'all sent her. So I have my mailing address on authormedia.com and I get a steady stream of books that listeners will send, which I really enjoy receiving and I'll feature them on my shelf behind me in videos. Whichever book is most recent pushes off the oldest book off the shelf and they face the camera. But I always have to say, if it's a children's book, it may not make it to the shelf because my children tend to intercept, (laughs) especially if it's a, a picture book, it gets lost into the world of all of the children's picture books. Now, the Novel Marketing Podcast is a production of Author Media. The audio engineering is by William Mumstadt. The blog post is crafted by Shauna Lettler. And to read that blog version of this episode, go to authormedia.com slash 379. There's comments there if you want to comment on the blog version, but there's also a discussion for every episode at authormedia.social. I'm Thomas Umstadt Jr. saying thank you for listening and live long and prosper.